0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, one day out from the premiere of What is a Woman, we'll talk about a few stories that highlight why this film is necessary. Speaking of which, Leah Thomas was interviewed by Good Morning America, where he defended his decision to steal opportunities from female swimmers. But in an exclusive clip from What is a Woman, which we'll play today, a female swimmer on Thomas's team reveals to me what it was really like behind the scenes. Also the uh, mask comes off as the left pushes for a ban on handguns. They just instated one in Canada, in fact. Meanwhile, new revelations about the Texas shooter show just how many red flags were ignored before he committed his massacres, how many different ways this could have been prevented without even talking about gun laws. We'll talk about all of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, you know, to help lessen the impact of inflation, it's very important that you adjust both your spending and your saving strategies. You need to find new ways to protect your finances. For example, uh, one thing that you could do is refinance your mortgage. And believe it or not, there's more to a refi than just a lower rate. You can access cash, you can consolidate debt, take advantage of more flexible terms. And if you're looking to to save some money, then you might have to get creative. And this is one thing that you could do. It sounds pretty complicated and like it's going to be a big hassle, but it actually is uh, a lot easier than you think when you're working with American Financing, where the process starts with a free mortgage review so you can learn about custom loan options that may fit your budget better. Uh, Look, there's no pressure, there's no obligation, there's no upfront or hidden fees, just a very simple conversation around ways to save up to $1,000 a month, and uh, that's how quickly the savings start. Look, if you like what you hear, they'll get you pre-qualified for free, and you could close on your new loan in as little as 10 days. Just call 866-569-4711. That's 866-569-4711. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS, 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Well, we got one day left. Tomorrow is the day. A year of work went into this, traveling all over the country, even halfway around the world, putting ourselves in precarious, sometimes dangerous situations, having Utterly insane interactions with countless people, often hilarious, often disturbing, often both at the same time. After um, all of that, you'll be able to finally see the fruits of our labor tomorrow, June first, when my film "What Is a Woman" officially premieres. Now, I certainly don't say this about everything I do, or even most things I do, or even anything I've done up until now. But I will say of this film that it is uh, important. I believe we've made something with the potential to have a real impact on the world. Not only that, it's actually a you know it's a good film. It's not simply it's not simply activism disguised as a film. It is a film, and a good one, thanks in large part to our great director, Justin Folk, and the, the, uh, the cinematography and, and everything else that, that went into it. What I'm saying is that, uh, that I want you to see it. So please, if you haven't yet, go to whatisawoman.com, sign up for a membership there. Our subscribers make it possible to create films like this. We literally wouldn't be able to do it without you. But we're not asking for a charitable donation either. We're asking you to give us the few bucks a month in exchange for something. That's the way it works in a capitalist society. And it'll be something more worthwhile than whatever you're getting from whatever other streaming service you're signed up for. I can guarantee you that. So subscribe today and uh, be a part of what we're doing here. It is important. And you'll see for yourself tomorrow if you go to whatisthewoman.com and get signed up. But we begin today with yet more evidence that our film is needed. On Friday, we talked about two high schools which, in the span of just a couple of weeks, hosted uh, drag shows for their students. And there have been, in recent years, an increasing effort to combine children and drag, either by bringing kids in as spectators or, even worse, as performers. The instruction of drag into the schools themselves seems to be an escalation. And last night, our friend Libs of TikTok put together a Twitter thread showing just how far this escalation has gone. So here are just a few of the examples that she uncovered. We'll review just a few of them. Quoting now from her thread, she says, uh, a gay nightclub in Minnesota held a drag show for children earlier this month. One of the performers said in an interview, I want to give kids the opportunity to see what drag queen king life is like on a day-to-day basis. And a preschool in Massachusetts is hosting a pride event, including drag queen story time and a pride parade. A bar in Dallas, Texas is advertising a drag show for children, including the opportunity for some kids to perform with the drag queens on stage. Um, And you can see a picture of what the drag queen host looks like. Then Bristol Library advertised a drag queen story hour tour, where drag queens will be going around to libraries across the UK to read to children. Alameda County Library is advertising drag queen story hours specifically for preschoolers. The library is funded primarily by local property taxes. Uh, Children and drag queens danced for adults, with some kids even collecting money on stage at a drag convention this month. And then in Arizona, a teacher arranged a drag show for students and was later arrested after allegedly having sex with a student. Big surprise there. Then libraries in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Chicago, uh, and Davenport and other places are all holding drag queen events for kids. And These libraries are all publicly funded, of course. And also, elementary, middle, and high schools across New York City have teamed up with a drag organization to bring drag queens to schools to read to kids. Now, this is just a partial list of like recent things, doesn't cover everything. Journalist uh, Christopher Ruffo reveals a Disney Plus drag queen special for kids starring Nina West. And that's the same drag queen who was, uh, who appeared in Blues Clues and other kids' content. So, Nina West real name Andrew Levitt, seems to have a particular fondness for uh, cross-dressing in front of kids. A lot of these drag queens obviously do, but especially with this guy. I mean, there's something about putting on women's clothing in front of small children that seems to really get Andrew excited. And so he's all over. He's Disney, Nickelodeon, doing all this stuff. Here he is for uh, Disney+. Plus. Watch.
1: Hello. And welcome to the Disney Plus This Is Me Pride Celebration Spectacular. I'm Nina West, and I'm here to guide you through a magical, musical, and meaningful celebration of the LGBTQ community. GLSEN's mission is to create safe and inclusive schools for LGBTQ students in grades K through 12, And Disney Plus is so proud to support this wonderful organization. For more information, visit www.glisten.org forward slash pride. Now, I'd like to shine a spotlight on a fellow queen who knows a thing or two about creating an epic Disney Plus inspired look that set the internet ablaze this last year. Esteemed guests and friends, I give you my friend, Jackie Cox. Oh, you didn't think you were the only magical girl in town, did you? The name's
0: I think we've seen enough of that. So you get the idea. Um, for kids there, and uh, you see Andrew Levitt all dressed up. That's what he thinks that, that's like what he thinks women look like. They always, you know, with these with these drag queens, like, have they ever actually seen a woman? I'm not sure that they have. It's important to take note of uh what's happening here. The left started with Drag Queen Story Hours in libraries a few years ago. The first one was held in 2015. Okay, so it went from 2015 to now. Not not a long span of time. And when it first started, you know, the normal non-pedophile community reacted with appropriate horror and disgust at the whole spectacle. Um, Did not react with as much horror and disgust as it ought to have, but uh, still there was horror and disgust. And so what did the left do? I mean, did they tamp things down? Did they pull their foot off the gas pedal? Did they hang their heads in shame and apologize? Did they say, oh, geez, uh, you didn't want us cross-dressing in front of kids? I didn't realize. Sorry about that. Our mistake. No, instead they doubled down and then tripled down. Sent drag queens out everywhere. like, uh, like, Like these perverse, hellish missionaries to find kids wherever they could be found to perform burlesque for them. They took drag queens out of the libraries. Well, they're still in the libraries, but they took some of them out of the libraries and uh, put them on Nickelodeon and Disney instead. Brought them to schools, opened up the gay bars, invited children to come watch. Now, there is no defending this, but they don't bother defending it. It, It's just a simple fact that drag is burlesque for gay men. It's hypersexual. There's usually lots of drugs and alcohol involved. That's why, until recently, drag was the almost exclusive province of gay nightclubs. There's no morally decent or rational defense of involving children in this in any capacity. And that fact can be easily demonstrated by simply noting one thing. If everything else was the same with these drag shows, everything's the same, except that the men pretending to be women were actually women, if this was female burlesque rather than female mimicking burlesque, nearly everyone would agree that it shouldn't be anywhere near children. I mean, imagine if a middle school hired Las Vegas burlesque performers to come dance for 12-year-old boys. Nobody would defend that. And yet, swap the women for men, and suddenly Disney shows up to sponsor it. They can't defend this. And that's not because they have no reason behind it. They do. The reason is simple. This is, again, all but one big uh, LGBT recruitment drive. It's a brainwashing campaign being waged against our kids. But the left won't say that out loud. So instead, they offer no real defense and just continue doing whatever they want, as long as we will allow it. Now, let's get to our five headlines. The left may not agree, but um, I think you and I know that the foundation of this great country is the Constitution. And Meanwhile, the foundation of your family should be your faith and your beliefs so I have a serious question for you, but a simple question. If something should happen to you or your spouse, who do you trust to instill those same core beliefs and values in your children? Do you think it's the same person the government would assign them to? Probably not. If you don't have a will in place, you have no say in the future of your children. Just think about that for a second. If you if you're and also, by the way, if you're single and you don't think you need a will, well you couldn't be more wrong. A will allows you to establish advanced directive and medical power of attorney. Do you really want to leave the burden of deciding life support or not to your family members or close friends? Look, we've all many of us have been in situations where we've seen that, where somebody is sick and, uh, and they've, they've pawned that off on their family and friends, don't do that. It causes a lot of heartache. So make sure that you, uh, that you communicate your wishes regarding your health. If you haven't made a will yet, you're not alone, but we're going to make it easy for you at epicwill.com. you use promo code Walsh. We're so excited that they're partnering with us at Daily Wire. They're protecting our staff and their families. Let them protect yours too. Epicwill.com, promo code Walsh. That's how easy it is. You can secure your future in as little as five minutes with a complete will package starting at $119. And when you use promo code WALSH, you'll save 10%. Epicwill.com. This will be the most important five minutes you spend today. All right. Um, By the way, happy uh, white boy summer. I got things kicked off myself this uh, this weekend. I don't know if it comes through on camera. Hopefully it doesn't. But uh, I am right now the hue of a very ripe tomato, totally sunburned, sun scorched. I went fishing, came home looking like a, a steamed crab. This is just one, this is more white privilege, I guess. I can't walk outside my house in the summer without burning like a piece of toast. That's that's my uh, that's my privilege. My privilege is that the shower will feel like acid for the next seven days. My privilege is that everywhere I go for the entire summer, people will go, wow, looks like you got some sun. Yeah, you think so? I'm aware of that. And if you're like my wife, then you're probably thinking to yourself, well, why don't you just wear sunscreen? And the answer is that putting on sunscreen takes like three minutes and I don't have that kind of time. I, and I should be able to go out Side without burning. Like I'm I'm demanding that of the universe. I should be able to do that. I am making that demand. And it's being ignored, as demands against the universe almost always are. Speaking of which, there are lots of people these days making demands against the universe. Uh, people like Leah Thomas, for example, demanding to be seen as a woman, and in fact to be a woman, but he's not. Um, now, this is, uh, this is just some fortuitous timing, I think, because Leah Thomas, of course, as you know, the UPenn swimmer who's uh, a male competing against the females, stealing all of their uh, medals and, and um, accolades and everything else. Good Morning America has a little bit of a, a puff piece that they, they're airing. This is, the first, this is the first time we've seen, I think, Leah Thomas. He, he had the, the puff piece interview profile with Sports Illustrated. but This is the first time we've seen him interviewed on camera. Um, and he's being interviewed by Good Morning America. So first, I want to play this. And I have a, a little bit of a rebuttal to play as well. But first, let's listen to Good Morning America and Leah Thomas talk about, well, in fact, what it says on the screen is Leah Thomas breaks her, quote, unquote, silence. Listen.
2: Thomas began HRT, hormone replacement therapy, in May of her sophomore year, 2019.
0: The
1: mental and emotional changes actually happened very quickly. I was feeling a lot better mentally. I was I was less depressed and then I lost muscle mass and I became a lot weaker and a lot a lot slower in the water.
2: After following NCAA guidelines of a year of hormone therapy to change gender categories, Thomas started her senior year on the women's team. But her success in the water was met with outrage leading up to the NCAA championships. Her critics say she jumped in the rankings between the men's and the women's team. there are some who look at the data and suggest that you're enjoying a competitive advantage. What do you say to that?
1: There's a lot of factors that go into of race and how how well you do and the biggest change for me is that I'm happy and sophomore year um, where I had my best times competing with the men I was miserable and so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training into racing trans people don't transition for athletics. We transition to be happy and authentic and our true selves. Transitioning to get an advantage is not something that ever factors into our decisions.
2: You didn't transition to win more
0: medals? No. <laughs> that was actually my first time watching that just now. And uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you expect. Speaking of uh, offering no defense, having no defense, this is always the theme with the left. There's no defense of anything they say. Especially when it comes to gender, and uh, so, so he's given the opportunity there to respond. Now, critics say that males have competitive advantages. No, critics don't say that. You know who says that? Um, uh, science says that. Okay, we're very the uh, left's usually very fond of of saying that that science has declared certain things. Well, this is one thing that science is is one hundred percent. This is a, a a universal, immutable truth. Right, that there are biological differences between males and females. We're also told by the reporter there that well, critics, critic, critics say that Leah Thomas jumped in the rankings from male to female. Well, that no, that's not again. That's not what critics are. So critics might be saying that, but that's just a fact. You can look at the rankings. You could look at Leah Thomas uh, against the males, and he's down here. And then against the females, and and he's up there. That's just a fact. But given the opportunity, in a very friendly environment here, as we could clearly see, given the opportunity to respond to this, well, critics say that you have an advantage. What's his response? Does he give any scientific answer? Does he? No, he just, he pivots away from that immediately and says, well, uh, I'm happier. So? Who gives a damn? That's not, number one, that's not the question. The question is, do you have a biological advantage? I'm happy. Okay, you might as well respond by telling me what you had for lunch this afternoon. Makes no difference. That's not the question. But because the answer, obviously, is yes. Of course I have a biological advantage. But that makes me happy. And so you should just have to deal with it. Now, the other thing you notice, uh, and I haven't watched the full interview with Leah Thomas. Can't say that I really plan on it, but I have read other interviews, including that Sports Illustrated one. And um, the one thing you notice is that Leah Thomas never says anything about his teammates. It's always me, me, my, I, me, me, mine. I'm happy. This makes me feel good. That's all he ever says. Because the the uh, the women, the actual women involved, don't factor in. They don't matter. He doesn't care. He's a raging narcissist. Simply doesn't care. To- now, does he have? Does he actually have gender dysphoria? Is he actually confused about, um, about his uh, about his biological sex? Maybe. You know, or, or maybe not. I mean, it's, it, we, we can't really, we can't know. We can't see inside someone's mind. Um, is this something he's doing just for, for an advantage purely and for attention and all that? Seems quite possible to me, but I, I don't know. It also doesn't really matter um, when it comes to this question of whether it's fair and right and it makes sense to have males competing against women. But whether he actually has this confusion or not, one thing we know for sure is that this—that he is, a, a again, a raging narcissist. Doesn't care about anybody else. Um, but even if the other people involved don't rank as far as he's concerned, um, in reality, they do exist and they do matter. And it just so happens that in my film, What is a Woman? I don't know if you heard mention it. It comes out tomorrow. We actually spoke to uh, one of the teammates of Leah Thomas. And... She, you know, for uh, understandable reasons, didn't want her name and face out there. wanted wanted some anonymity, but was willing to speak to us. And so I want to play. We're going to play. This is an exclusive clip from What Is a Woman. Very, very short clip. Uh, again, you can see the full film when it comes out tomorrow. Go to whatiswoman.com and subscribe. But let's listen to to what she has to say about her experiences with Leah Thomas on the team, and and, and in particular. Um, did anyone? Uh, did any of the women on the team raise any concerns? Did they object? And if they did, what what response did they get from the school? Let's listen.
2: Leah obviously helps us do better, right? Leah's swimming really fast. Leah's performance helps the University of Pennsylvania swim team. The feeling of winning doesn't feel as good anymore because it feels tainted. There was a lot of things you couldn't talk about that were very concerning, like a locker room situation. If you even brought up concerns about it, you were transphobic. If you even bring up the fact that Leah swimming might not be fair, you were immediately shut down as being called a hateful person or transphobic.
0: But there's never any conversation. The coaches don't sit everyone down and acknowledge what everyone's really upset about?
2: So Pat actually brought in people high up in the athletic department to talk to us. They brought in someone from, like, the LGBTQ center. They brought in someone from the psychological services.
0: So you're upset about what's happening, and so you need psychological help.
2: Yeah, and they told us in this meeting, they said, look, we understand there's an array of emotions, but Leah's swimming is a non-negotiable. However, we can help you make that okay. That's what we're here for.
0: Now, on, on the left, they're very fond of the term gaslighting, and we hear it all the time. They're always accusing people, oh, you're gaslighting me. And and usually you get accused of gaslighting if you just say something that's plainly correct and obvious, and then you're accused of gaslighting. Well, this that what you just heard there, that's gaslighting. What the what the girls experienced on their team is gaslighting. Where if you have a problem, if you're uncomfortable. Being around a man in your locker room. If you don't want to see a penis in a locker room. Or if, if you've done all this work to this point in your swimming career. And you don't like the idea. That now you're being overshadowed and having this opportunity stolen from you. Uh, then you are the one with the problem. You need to go get psychological counseling. That's what she reveals there. They sat, they sat the, the, the women down. The actual women. Brought in LGBT activists to, to shame them for not wanting to see a naked penis in a locker room. And then they were told that, hey, if you don't like this, then we'll send you, then you're the crazy one. You, you could go talk to a counselor. No, the, uh, the man who's dressing like a, a woman, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't have a psychological problem. You do. So if there's if there's one man saying that he's a woman and then, you know, 10 women, 20 women who disagree, who's who's the one with the problem? It's it's the it's the, all the women, doesn't matter how many it is. It could be a million to one. And they're the ones with the problem. So she had more to say again, you can go to the uh to whatiswoman.com, get subscribed, and that's just one small piece of what we have in that film, but giving voice to, uh, that's one of the things we were able to do in this movie that I'm proud of is that we were able to give voice to, uh, people who've been actually silenced and ignored, but whose voices in in fact do matter. All right. You know, we know that Democrats want to ban the scary guns, right? They want to ban assault weapons. But the great thing about the term like assault weapon is that like everything else, the the left says it doesn't really mean anything, so it can mean anything. Doesn't mean anything, so it can mean anything. What's an assault weapon? Well, it's I mean, any any weapon at all that we think is scary. Um, I, I don't know, I, I guess an assault weapon is a weapon that could be used in an assault, which would be any weapon at all. That means like a a, a hammer or a knife is also an assault weapon, potentially. And just to show what we mean here, that anything can be an assault weapon. Well, now, apparently, according to Joe Biden, uh, assault weapon also includes a 9mm handgun. Listen to this from Biden.
3: And they showed me an a, 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 a x-ray. He said a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out. We may be able to get it and save the life. A 9mm bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is just—it there there's simply no rational basis for it in terms of about self-protection hunting. I mean I just I remember the constitution of the Second Amendment was never absolute.
0: Uh, oh the Second Amendment was never absolute. So it's kinda of hard to hear what he's saying there with the with the helicopter in the background, but the, the good news is it doesn't really matter because it's all it's all nonsense. And he says that um, that there's no rational basis for using a nine millimeter in in, in self defense. It'll blow your lung out of your body. Uh, now the defense of of this statement from Joe Biden is that he is that he didn't know what he was talking about and that he was confused. Um, which I'm. Anytime somebody offers that as a defense of Biden, I'm all, I'm I'm willing to believe that. I'm willing to believe that anything he says, he was really confused because he's confused about everything. But that's not much of a defense. Because it only goes to show that the people who want to ban guns uh, most, most of the time don't know anything about them. And so if you want to ban something, you should at least begin step one by learning something about it. But as we see time and time again, the people that are pushing the hardest for banning guns don't know anything. They have no idea what they're talking about. And you don't need to be an expert. I'm not. I don't claim to be some kind of firearms expert. But even I can hear that and say, "What the hell are you talking about?" But it's not just confusion. It's not just a mistake. I mean, there is certainly a push on the left to actually ban handguns as well. And in fact, in Canada, um, they are now doing exactly that. Here's Justin Trudeau announcing a freeze, as he's calling it, a freeze on handgun purchases. Listen.
3: We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years and we're acting on their advice. I also want to thank the advocates, many of whom are here today for your tireless efforts. I know that for too many of you, grief and loss are at the root of the work that you do. I want to recognize that, and on behalf of all Canadians, I want to thank you for your strength.
0: What a smarmy, Speaking, He said grease there. He meant to say grief, but what a greasy, smarmy little punk that guy is. Every time I see him, I'm thinking, really, Canada? You voted for this guy multiple times? Well, of course you did. Canada is done, I'm afraid to say. And it's it's been that way for a while. But Canada has fallen. It's done. It's finished. And if you live in Canada and you cherish your liberties and you're a rational person and you cherish freedom... Um, and moral decency, and uh, you're not a you know uh, you're not a degenerate. Then you need to leave. And granted, the situation in the United States of America, especially with our government, is not much better. But you need to get out of Canada. And and, and I would like to say it would be nice if I could say, well, no, stay in Canada and fight, fight for your country, fight for freedom. You know, try to push back against all this stuff. And if that's what you do, then, then that's very noble anyway, if you're one of one of the few fighting back against it. But the problem, though, the reason I say that Canada is just finished is that uh, most of the people appear to be fully on board with this stuff. And we saw that with COVID, too. Now, obviously, after a while, there was pushback Uh, Some of it quite severe against the COVID lockdowns, but the fact is that most people just tolerated it and were perfectly okay with it, it would seem. And when you get to the point where the people are okay with the tyranny, then where do you go from there? And so now they're just going to ban handguns, too. There's, of course, no reason... It's almost a, a losing game in a, in a certain way to, to engage with this to begin with because it's all it's all built on a false premise. There's no reason to be why are you doing this right now? I mean I know why, but why are you doing why right now are we are you banning handguns? Uh, well, we know the reason is that they're capitalizing on the tragedy in Texas. But why should that like what happened in Texas? Why should that have any bearing at all on gun laws or on your whatever your opinion was of guns before and gun laws before? Why would it change? Because we, of course, always have known that these sorts of things can happen and do happen. And unfortunately, in this fallen, terrible world that we live in, they have happened since the dawn of civilization. Not with guns before guns were invented, but that's the point. Even before guns existed, the world was a was a horrifically violent place. In fact, probably you could argue much more violent than it is now. So we've always known that, and it's a terrible thing. But to see one um, example, one terrible example of violence, one outburst like this, and then why would that change it? because this this if, if you're a rational person, this should have already been built into your calculus and that you know that this is that this happens in the world. Doesn't mean you accept it. No, it means you put actual things in place that will actually stop this from happening. As I've been saying since this happened, how about we start with uh, with just some security in the school? We could start with that. Okay. So you don't accept it. We should be taking actual, real, direct actions to stop this sort of thing from happening. And there were direct things that could have happened in Texas that would have stopped this, that have nothing to do with legislation, and they should have happened and they didn't. But what I'm trying to figure out is why, because of this, your what, how that would affect your opinion of guns in general or gun law. So they're doing this just to take advantage. This is something they've always wanted to do, So kind of pretending that it's in response to what happened in Texas, but really this is just something they've always wanted to do, and they're taking advantage of the tragedy, of course. Uh, to do it, and the other thing that we see, as always, oh, one other note about that too, and, and I, I know this is, this point is often often made, but it cannot be made enough, which is that uh, there there is this this real irony here, where the people who advocate the most for banning guns also tend to be the most skeptical of law enforcement. Okay. Um, And so how does that work exactly? So you're very, very skeptical of law enforcement. And if you're on the left, then you're prone to say that law enforcement are a bunch of murderous psychopaths out on the prowl hunting and killing innocent black men all the time. Like, that's what you think. That's what you say, right? Now, you're not right about that, but that's what you think. And so your response to that is to disarm. So you want the only armed people to be law enforcement who you don't trust at all? And of course, in reality, it's going to be worse than that because if you have your way, then the only armed people are law enforcement and the bad guys because they don't care about the laws and they're going to do what they want anyway. So the only people you have actually effectively disarmed, of course, are the good guys, are the people who care about the law and are going to follow it. Um, and the other thing we always see after mass shootings, of course, is uh, you, you have the kind of virtue signal signalers, and, and this is a common trend now, who will uh, destroy their guns for some reason. So there was this video that went viral yesterday of a guy um, listening to the names of the children who were killed in, in Texas while taking a sledgehammer to his AR-15. Let's watch a little bit of this.
3: Eliana Garcia. Eva Mireles, Irma, Garcia, Jackie, Cazares, ten years old. Haila Silguero, ten years old. Jace, Louevanos, Jose, Flores. What's he, my question is? What is he going to do with
0: old. the sledgehammer after this? Leila Salazar. You've sledgehammered Martina the Lee Elrod. My rifle, man, but Marcus, how are you going to destroy the sledgehammer? Indiana, the sledgehammer is a weapon, Marcus, also. Nevia, All right, we can take. They can take us off. This is just so. It's actually, you know, you want to laugh at a spectacle like that, um, but at the same time, pl- he's he's playing the names of the actual victims. So it's now it, it goes from being stupid and unintentionally hilarious to really quite grotesque, given that he's he's you know he's got the the victims' names that he, he's using to show off his fake virtue here, which I, I will never understand this. And I say that rhetorically because I do understand it because this is all about virtue signaling. But, signaling. but if you if you know, like if you have a gun and you know that you're never going to go on a mass shooting spree, then how have you made the world a safer place by getting rid of or destroying your gun? So if I'm going to take you seriously, let's just, you know what? Fine. It's not a virtue signal. Actually, this guy, I'll I'll, I'll take him at his word. I'll take him seriously. I'll pay him that respect. Not a virtue signal. He's being completely serious, which means that he thinks he's that he has the potential within himself to commit a mass shooting. That's, I can only assume if, if he if he's doing this seriously and sincerely to make to make the world a safer place, then that would mean that he has judged about himself that he is a danger to society. I can only assume that, because otherwise, why? You know, I have guns. I'm not going to destroy them because of a mass shooting because I'm not ever going to use them for a mass shooting. I know that about myself. There's a 0.0% chance of that happening. No, I have them, and if I ever use them outside of a outside of the um, the gun range, I'm going to be using it to make sure that I or my family is, don't become victims of a crime like that. So I guess if you feel if you see something like this happen, and you feel like you need to destroy your guns because you don't trust yourself, then um, then I then then good. I mean, I suppose go ahead and do it. I don't think you need to film it. I wouldn't film it. I wouldn't advertise that fact about yourself. Or better yet, don't destroy them. Just give them to me. You know, find find a responsible gun owner and give them to them instead. It's, it's just a waste of money to destroy them. Uh, meanwhile, one other note. Uh, related to this. This is from the New York Post. It says, disturbing new video obtained by the Post shows demented Rob Elementary School shooter Salvador Ramos grinning as he holds up a bag of blood-soaked dead cats. The deranged 18-year-old gunman is seen smiling in the, in the undated footage while sitting in the passenger seat of a pal's car holding up a clear plastic bag with at least two bloodied cats visible inside. Um, this is, and then there's some interviews with people that knew him. Um, David Chervino Jr., related to the shooter's grandmother, said, The shooter was known for hurting cats. He liked hurting animals. I'm told he killed the cats and carried around the bag of dead bodies uh, just for fun. He added, The video shows he's not right in the head. He's not all there. The video raises all sorts of red flags. One classmate said that R- Ramos had a tendency to be violent towards women, and he was described by an ex-girlfriend as scary. Okay, so no surprise here because this is what we always see, of course. Something like this happens, and then at at first we're told, "Oh, well, no one would, have, so, no one saw this coming. It's just a quiet, quiet, nice kid. Nobody knew." And then very quickly after that, we're told, "Oh, oh no! Well, actually, he was he, he murdered cats, and he was known for doing that, and he did it on film, and people knew about it." Okay, so remember how I said that this—that what happened, the tragedy in Texas, could have been easily avoided by taking some direct, simple steps that have nothing to do with legislation. Well, here's one of them. He's known for killing cats. That's illegal to do that. So you charge him with a crime for doing that, and then he's—he's—he's he's, he's not going to be able to legally uh, own guns. And if you—if and if you think that the law is going to stop him, well, then there you go. Or, or better yet. If he's he's known for doing this and known to be a dangerous person who has not just, it's not just that he's given off weird vibes, it's that he's actually acted out in violent ways and made threats and everything else. Well, then how about you take him and you put him in an institution? That's the best thing. Then you don't have to worry about the law at all. He's not going to get his hands on a a gun inside a, a mental institution, which is where this scumbag belonged. So every step of the way, these very simple things. He's on video killing cats. Charge him with a crime. You could have done that. Didn't. Put him in a mental institution. Could have done that. You didn't. Um, or how about just, and then, and then without any of that, so, some, some basic, he was living with uh, with adults. He wasn't living on his own. Some basic Supervision. He was living at his grandmother, grandfather's house, and they say they now, his grandfather's being interviewed today and said, "Well, he had no idea that, uh, that he owned any of these guns. I find that hard to believe. You know, I, I know from experience when I was a kid as a teenager, I, you know I, because my, my parents were involved and were not stupid and were not oblivious, I couldn't hide like anything from them. I couldn't sneak something into the house without it being discovered by them. Much less, I mean, how do you have a whole arsenal of guns and, and and you're, you know, the people who are supposed to be supervising you don't, don't know about it? Some basic supervision could have been done uh, or just enforcing the laws that exist. And absent of any of that, lock the door and have security in the school. So many, right? There are so many potential barriers that should have been in place. Okay, really, metaphorically, there are a lot of doors that should have been locked and yet they were all one by one left open. And we go and look for all these complicated answers and solutions when instead it's just shut the door, and lock it. All right, one other quick thing. if I can find it. The uh, Daily Wire reports, the arrest of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, followed a late-night car crash, according to police. Um, It was a DUI arrest. Nancy Pelosi's husband got arrested for DUI. Paul Pelosi, 82, was charged with driving under the influence on Sunday morning. At the time, the Speaker's husband was driving a 2021 Porsche to an intersection near the town of Yountville, was hit by a 2014 Jeep. No injuries were reported, um, but he was arrested for DUI. I just, like... I have uh, two things that I I think when I see that. And and the first is that this guy is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And um, I saw someone make this point on Twitter. I can't remember who, but how does this happen to rich people? Don't you have a driver that can pick you up? But even more importantly, um, this is very disturbing to me. And not even because he was driving under the influence, but because he's 82 years old. why, why Why exactly are we allowing 82... Sober or not, 82 years old behind the wheel of a car? That's crazy, to me. But then again, we allow 82-year-olds to run the country and be president. So what are you going to do, I suppose? There are so many more things to do during the summer, and you want to free up as much time as you possibly can so you can enjoy all of those things. So if you're a business owner, the last thing you want to do is sort, have to sort through tons of unqualified candidates um, and resumes, especially when you could be you know, out of the pool, you could be... Um, out out back in your backyard having a barbecue with your friends That's why you need ZipRecruiter to find great candidates for you They'll do the work for you and now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com wall ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidate with your job You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete uh, suite of tools that makes it easy to filter review and rate your candidates uh, you're doing all the, the name of the game here is easy and simple and quick. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1st, 2022. So soak up all that summer has to offer and let ZipRecruiter do the work for you. Ready for the URL? Here it is at ZipRecruiter.com Walsh. That's where you can try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash W-A-L-S-H. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Do you know their name? They're the Sweet Baby Gang. Well, i uh, tell you what. The, uh, the Sweet Baby Gang is very excited about my swag shack over at uh, dailywire.com. And you can find all kinds of uh, great merchandise there. Really, any kind of inside joke, any, anything like that on this show that, it, that ever happens, like immediately gets turned into merchandise because we are a bunch of capitalist pigs. Um, but the latest thing, and this is this one is uh, flying off the racks, is our, our apron, um, which uh, right around Memorial Day, it's a great time. And, but you know, even after Memorial Day, it's summertime. You should be out, especially if you're a man, you should be out grilling at least once a week. That's the, that's the, the bare minimum limit as a man. But you need to have your apron with a catchy little slogan on it. And these days, it's really important to let people know how you identify, what your pronouns are. And so we have our apron with um, my pronouns are chef, chef self written on it. And you can go to dailywire.com, go to the store and buy that now, along with a lot of other great merchandise. All right. Frank says the fact that mothers wanted to run into the line of fire and not the cops highlights your point that our kids don't belong to the village. And um, that, in fact, is a, is a really good point. Although, you know, kids don't belong to the village, they don't belong to the government, and yet the village and the government do have certain res- responsibilities, just like the police had a responsibility in Texas to go into that building and save those kids, and they didn't do it. That just yet, yet again goes to show exactly as you say. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of things that people these days expect the government to do for their kids that really that's not the government's role. But even where it is the government's role, and they are supposed to do it, still, so often they fail. Uh, Kevin says, Matt, my wife just claimed victory in her war with our local library here in suburban Chicago. They have many pro-LGBT and drag queen propaganda on display at the entrance to the children's section of the library. My wife's been battling the library, and finally they relented. And now we have a few copies of Johnny the Walrus to enjoy for their literary journey Uh, while your wife is a hero, I have to say. And as I was reading this comment, I was hoping that's direction, What that's the direction this was going. And it did. So, uh, great job by your wife there. Nick says, Matt, do you think Elon Musk will actually reinstate free speech on Twitter? Some of his recent comments have me wondering, I'm not sure what recent comments specifically you're talking about, but, um, as far as the free speech thing, I guess it depends on what you mean by free speech. And this is one thing, I think this is, this is, this is something that the, that the right kind of gets wrong. Um, you know the issue on the on the social media platforms and with Twitter in particular. It's I think when we make it a free speech issue, we kind of we we confuse the issue more than we need to. Um, I think what we what we should expect. What we should want from social media platforms is consistency in the ways the rules are enforced. So the problem on Twitter, it's not. It's not exactly that they're infringing on free speech or whatever. It's that the rules are inconsistent and ideologically biased. Okay, so it's one thing. If you want to have one rule for everybody and you say that on your platform, uh, you're not allowed to say X, Y, Z. Or there's certain language we don't want you to use because we want to make this a more family-friendly platform or whatever. As far as I'm concerned, Fine. You know, I mean, Twitter could put a rule in place where they say uh, no more cursing, no no more no more swear words on our platform. They could do that. Uh, I think it'd be kind of lame, but they could do that if they wanted to, and that would actually probably be a pretty positive change all, all told. But if you're going to have that rule, the problem is with if they did have a rule like that, we know that they would only enforce it in certain in certain circumstances. They'd be very politically targeted in the way that they enforced it. So I think what, what, I, what I'm looking, if Elon Musk actually completes his purchase of, of Twitter, which is by no means a foregone conclusion, but if he does, it's not, despite what the left is saying, it's not that he's going to throw open the doors and say, well, you can say whatever you want on the platform now. You can make death threats against people and that'll be fine. He's not going to do that. I think hopefully what he will do and what he said he will do is just come up with basic understandable rules that are the same for everybody and that's it. Um, let's see jo- Johnny the Walrus says love that Matt called that one fan an idiot calling him how he sees him SPG for life well if you're a true fan then you won't be offended by me calling you an idiot because you know that's what that's just I, I say that that's my it's, my it's a term of endearment really coming from me um, let's see another comment says I understand when I became a marine that my life was expendable for the sake of saving or helping others if you're a police officer and you don't comprehend that concept As difficult as it may be, you're in the wrong profession. If I had died saving the life of another, especially as a a child, my life would have been well spent, as the left likes to say, full stop, SBG for life. And it does take, it certainly takes a lot of heroism, Um, even though it's your job, right? It still takes a lot of heroism and courage. But unfortunately, we live in a society where, you know, we don't, and this this is a general problem that goes, that extends far beyond law enforcement, but we don't, we don't really encourage or welcome heroism or courage. And uh, this is what we get. Kenny says, if your film is so important for the culture, why don't you release it to the public instead of behind a paywall? Well, I'll tell you why. Because uh, this film is is good and it's important. As I said at the top, we spent a year of our lives making it. Uh, it takes time. It costs money. And we cannot make content like this Otherwise, we can't make it without our subscribers. Um, the money just wouldn't be there for it. So that's the reality. So if you support this content and you want to see more like it, you have to just subscribe. Not because we're a charity case, but because we're doing stuff that you support and we're making content that you want, and that's and that's why you subscribe. But there's this attitude from some conservatives that, um, you know, uh, I think we all fall into this. It, it, even I can fall into it sometimes. Where well, okay, I want great content, and I want content that I can support, but I don't want to pay for it. And I, th- I think we all kind of have to knock that off. If you want great content, and if you're if you're upset about the fact that what you get from the media, what you get from Hollywood and everything is a bunch of garbage and filth, then when someone comes along and they're giving you the kind of content you want, you have to support it. And if you don't, then it's just going to go away. That's the way that it works. All right, so go to whatiswoman.com right now and subscribe. You may have heard me mention it a time or two, but uh, tomorrow is June 1st, and in case you don't keep up with cultural calendars, June is the beginning of a very special time, a time of pride, of celebration, and I'm talking, of course, about the premiere of my new documentary, What is a Woman?, on Backstage at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're not a Daily Wire member, then you got to head to whatiswoman.com and subscribe today because you're not going to want to miss this night. Um, I'll be there to share helpful and insightful commentary, and so will Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Andrew Claven, and our God King, Jeremy Boring. You've never seen a Backstage quite like this. I, for one, am uh, immensely proud of this film. In fact, I'm feeling so much pride right now. I want to play the trailer again for you guys. Uh, here it is. Watch. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? Well, you're at the Women's March, you must have some idea. I'm a husband, I'm a father for, I host a talk show, I give speeches, I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people.
3: Some women have penises, right? Some men
1: have vaginas. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their
0: problems will be solved if they become a man.
3: There are masculine girls, there are feminine boys. What are we gonna do about that? Carve them up?
0: I I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? (laughs) They say no, (laughs) never. Now, many people have asked me, including people in the film, why do I care what a woman is so much? Or rather, why should anyone care? Well, my answer is as simple as theirs is distorted because truth matters and because the destructive consequences being uh, put upon women and children for abandoning truth are not an imaginary construct, but a painful reality. So help us expose the madness. Become a Daily Wire member by going to whatisawoman.com to get exclusive access to my film and join us for its premiere tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern on Backstage. You're not going to miss it. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Several months ago, we discussed one of the hottest new trends among uh, young people, especially on TikTok. It's the coolest new thing, multiple personality disorder, or as they call it now, dissociative identity disorder. And just on TikTok alone, there are thousands of uh, DID influencers raking in millions of views as they talk about their alleged experiences with this condition. And they even demonstrate what it looks like when they switch from one personality to another. You know, they put that on camera, too, because that's how the illness works, they claim. Mental illness is now a party trick. Like, hey, look, everyone, I just switched into a new personality. Coincidentally, this new one is just as insufferable as all my other ones. Like, I don't have any good ones. But, uh, yeah, it's a whole new one. Dissociative identity disorder, uh, in, in which a patient supposedly has multiple distinct personalities, multiple consciences, basically, inside one head has seen various waves of popularity, was frequently diagnosed in the 80s and 90s, and then fell out of favor for a couple of decades, only to have seen a massive resurgence in the last few years. This has also been the trajectory of, by the way, baggy jeans. And I'm not sure if there's any connection there, but I will say that it's never a good sign when a mental illness follows the same course as a fashion trend, although it's to be expected as mental illnesses are themselves fashionable and trendy. And that's helped along not only by social media, but by the news media as well, So this weekend, there were multiple headlines floating around about a guy named Leonard Stockel, who claims to have 10 unique personalities, all with their own names and ages. The New York Post reports, quote, a man has revealed he suffers from a rare, rare disorder where his identity is split into 10 different personalities, all with different names, ages, and opinions. Leonard Stockle has been diagnosed with dissociate identity disorder, a rare psychiatric condition that develops in early childhood and is a result of severe trauma. Stockel says the 10 personalities are Kovu, age 4, Hector, 8, Anna, age 16, Cosmo, 17, Ash, 18, Jesse, 19, Leo, 21, Billy, 23, Liv, 24, and Red, 26. The uh, 22-year-old calls his collective personalities his system, with the group of identities sharing one body and each distinct form of consciousness is the person or alter. Leo calls himself the host of the system, meaning that they that they are the person who has control over the body most often. Now, Leo explains that he had, uh, he had uh, something of a psychotic break from the stress of taking his exams last year, and that's what led to him getting diagnosed with DID. Uh, he also says that he's in a romantic relationship with a guy named Massimo, who I think is a real guy, like a, like a physical real guy. But if this split personality story is legitimate, it raises some troubling questions about Massimo. I mean, given that four of Leo's personalities are underage, and one is a toddler. Now, speaking of those other personalities, he does tell us a little bit more about them. He says, "Uh, I'm Leo, and I'm the current host of the system. I love cooking, reading, and watching movies and series with my partner, who I live with. Kovu is our youngest, and we don't know much about him because he's very quiet. We suspect that he's very traumatized. Hector is a very excited kid. He loves stuffed animals and always gets excited about going to the zoo or visiting an aquarium. Anna suffers from anorexia, which is hard for her to front. Uh, Cosmo is a rowdy, slightly flirty teenager that easily gets in trouble. Ash is a little sunshine who loves to go on vacation and just explore the world. Jesse is quiet, but very kind, girly, and respectful. She often takes care of the body. Billy is one of our protectors. He always takes care of safety while we're outside. He doesn't talk a lot and can be verbally aggressive sometimes, but he would never harm anyone. Liv is our sexual protector. She knows when someone gets too close to us and she can handle every situation. Red is the oldest and the system's mom- She takes care of a lot of things, showers, chores, cleaning, paperwork, and managing all of our money. Oh, okay then. Now, the first thing we should establish about dissociative identity disorder is that it's like totally fake. Okay, it's almost certainly completely fake. In fact, there was a survey conducted of board-certified U.S. psychiatrists back in 1999, and out of 300, only 21% thought that uh, DID was scientifically valid, and the rest thought that there was not enough evidence to, to support it. An article in Psychology Today argues that DID is a bogus diagnosis and cites the fact that the famous cases which popularize this condition, the cases which are the only reason why any of us have heard about it, have turned out to be hoaxes. There's a paper by Joel Paris published on the National Library of Medicine website calling DID a medical fad. And then there's an article in the Harvard Gazette which points to research showing that the central basis for this diagnosis doesn't hold up to scrutiny. The article starts by pointing out that multiple personality disorder was coined in the early 20th century by a neurologist who was working with a woman who he thought might appear to have two personalities. And this is the first that anyone had coined this term or talked about it. And of course, now we're talking about people like, I have 20 personalities. In the beginning, it was one person who maybe there's two. And for most of the rest of that century, the diagnosis was extremely rare and most people in the world had never heard about it. But then the book *Sybil* was published in 1973 followed by two film adaptations telling the allegedly true story of a woman with multiple personalities. And uh, coincidentally, since that movie and and, and and the book came out, the diagnoses skyrocketed from there. The only problem is that Sybil was a fraud. The woman invented the whole thing, and that's been proven now. But the real problem, as the article explains, is the alleged source of this alleged mental illness. The psychiatrists who advocate for it say that people who suffer from DID they generate these other personalities as a way to wall off memories of traumatic childhood experiences. So they create a sort of amnesia barrier, they call it, protecting the patient from trauma. Um, the issue here is that, uh, first of all, it, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous cinematic theory and, and, and sort of a way of looking at the human person. That you have trauma, and so your mind, like, is all this subconscious does all these things and creates all these personalities to get around the trauma. It just doesn't even make any sense when you think about it for two seconds. There's also no evidence that any sort of amnesia barrier actually exists. In fact, all of the evidence shows that people with this condition do retain their memories even as they switch personalities. And that's enough right there to bring down the house of cards. You can see this in our friend Leo. He claims not to have memories shared between personalities. And that's why he can't hold down a job, he says. Uh, So more than likely, he's getting help from the government. Uh, What a coincidence, right? Except here he is describing and introducing all of his personalities. He talks about them like they're friends sitting in the room with him. If he can do that, then he obviously remembers them and remembers inhabiting each personality. The whole DID theory collapses based on that fact alone. If you can remember each personality, that means that there is a central consciousness, otherwise known as you— present the whole time. These are not distinct, separate consciousnesses. then. They are just roles that you are playing. Does this mean that nobody in history has ever had something resembling a split personality? I mean, no, I can't say that. The article in Psychology Today mentions at the very end that there may be very, very rare neurological, not psychological conditions that in extremely rare circumstances maybe have led to something that might look something like DID. And these would be people who have actual physical brain damage, But if there are exceptional cases like that, it has almost nothing to do with the DID diagnosis as we know it. And we could be quite certain that nobody suffering from such a thing, if such a person exists at all or ever has existed, is making viral videos about it on TikTok. They couldn't anyway, because if they really have amnesia between identities, they wouldn't know that they had the condition, and thus they wouldn't be able to say anything about it. So what explains the TikTok videos then? Well, we return to the same issue that I've talked about many times, and I wish more people would start talking about because it's a big problem in our society, and that is that mental illness is fashionable. We we have worked so hard to end the stigma around mental illness that now the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side, far from stigmatized. Mental illness is now desirable, exciting, popular, in vogue. It's a fad and a hobby, basically. Like Nobody has hobbies anymore. Where do all the hobbies go? People have mental illnesses as as a hobby now. When I was a kid, we collected baseball cards. Um, the nerdier kids would collect uh, Pokemon cards. And for a very brief glimmer of time, we, would, we collected something called Pogs, okay? And, and kids, you talk to your parents about that, they'll tell you about Pogs. And there were other little things that came up and little fads like that, things that you collected. We had other hobbies too. We played sports. We built Legos. We explored the woods. We climbed trees. We went fishing. You know, we did all kinds of stuff like that. Kids don't do that anymore. Now they just sit and stare at their screens and they collect mental illnesses. And just like Pokemon, they think they got to catch them all. And that'll make up for the authentic personality and identity that they lack, or so they think. Many fake or highly exaggerated mental illnesses have come along because of this process. But none more than multiple personality disorder, a condition invented by people who pretend to have 10 personalities to make up for the fact that they don't actually even have just one. And that is why, I guess today it's multiple personality disorder that we are going to cancel Uh, on the show. And I'll remind you one more time as we wrap things up, head into the premiere tomorrow to go to whatiswoman.com and uh, get subscribed so you don't miss, you don't want to miss this film, but you will miss it if you're not subscribed. Whatiswoman.com. Talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey there, this is John Bickley, Daily Wire editor-in-chief and co-host of
1: Morning Wire. On today's episode, new technologies could help prevent future mass shootings. The Southern Baptist Convention releases Bombshell Abuse Report. And hurricane season begins with the first-named Pacific storm. Join us and get the facts first
0: on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. Morning Wire.